Hello and welcome to the Conversing with Casey podcast. I'm your host, Casey Cabin, and today I have with me uh, basically my co-host at this point, <laughs> my beautiful wife, Darling Jimenez. Thank you all so much for welcoming me back into the space. I love being here. It, you're very welcome. Today we're going to be talking about voting and the recent voting experience that we had. Um, so let's get into it. Let's do it. So um, I know for a fact since you told me, that it was actually your first time voting. So how was that for you? Well, uh, <laughs> you kind of bullied me into it, didn't you? <laughs> I did a little bit. A little bit. Um, we may have had a minor squabble a couple of years ago um, before we started communicating more effectively. Yeah. So, it, okay, let's go ahead and tell that story because I actually think it's an interesting parting point for the conversation that we're hoping to have today, right? So I'm originally from New York. I, um, I'm i black and Latina. So typically, and as per my experience in New York, I'm very deeply tied to the Democratic Party and absolutely wanted nothing to do as a New Yorker with the Republican Party. Kind of the way that I viewed the Republican Party as I was in New York was like, they hate black people. Um, they're um, extremely like pro-guns, trying to kill everybody with their guns. And they're all rednecks. That's the impression that I had as a New Yorker growing up um, in an environment that was like heavily Democratic and heavily anti-Republican. So I think for a lot of New Yorkers out there, I know you can sympathize. That's kind of what you get sold, especially as a minority. Right. And what's interesting about that is, as you've told me, is a lot of your viewpoints kind of actually lean more conservative with um, especially with like finances and stuff, right? Yeah, so it's interesting. Again, like as a New Yorker, I never even had the opportunity to think about the Republican Party. Right. I immediately disqualified them as socially not progressive, right? And then um, when I moved down to North Carolina, of course, like I immediately became more exposed to people that were Republican. And as I started doing my research and becoming more educated, I realized that I was, um, very progressive socially so in that way i was more democratic right. but with regards to like financial policies and the meddling of government i was extremely republican and so i was actually somewhere in the middle of democrat and republican and i found values that aligned with me with both parties right which is kind of where i lie anyways um and i had never voted before um you know for a, a whole gamut of fake reasons you know excuses essentially um, I don't have time for all that. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be responsible for electing a jackass, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, it, my vote doesn't really matter. Um, but, you know, when it really comes down to it, I, I just didn't want to vote. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, so going back to the squabble that we had that kind of kicked us off, um, we were actually at a birthday party <laughs> for one of our daughter's friends. And we just started talking about voting. Um, and basically, I discovered or found out that he had never voted. <laughs> Let me tell you, she was like so confused and befuddled because she was like, you know, I, I served in the military. And um, she was like, how can you go fight for the country and not vote? And I, I kind of explained that, you know, it was a choice. It's a freedom that we have. Um, that I don't have to vote. And I still stand by that. Like, if you're not ready to vote, then don't. Like, if you don't know what you stand for, it's probably best that you don't vote. Mm -hmm. um, but voting is very important. I think that you should vote. I think that you should make yourself involved. 
I think it's, yeah. So I honestly, I admittedly reacted extremely poorly to him telling me that he hadn't voted. I was like, but you're a Marine, but you've served this country for many years. Like, how can you not vote? I'm, I'm an immigrant and I've never served and I voted like that didn't seem right to me. Um, And so we definitely got into a squabble and I, like I had, again, admittedly, I reacted very poorly. Um, It was like me trying to impose upon him my own values. And even at that, like, I almost, <laughs> it was bad. I almost like blamed him for Trump getting elected or actually did blame him for Trump getting elected because I said, you're the reason why we have Trump as a president. Um, and it was so wrong. And like, I very quickly realized like, okay, like you're being really headstrong right now and super disrespectful. And like, you really need to come correct and check yourself. So after that squabble, I definitely feel like I, I learned a lot about like tolerance. And I, I know that sounds crazy, right? Because mm-hmm. at that point we had already been together for some time, but I feel like I realized that I held certain values that I was trying to impose upon others. And that at the core of the American kind of culture and core value is the ability to choose. So you can choose anyone that you want and you can also choose to not choose. Yes. And I really, really learned a lesson that day about the power of choice. Yes. And the power of freedom, basically, um, because that's what I value more than anything is freedom of choice. Um, you know, there's sometimes we don't have a lot of ability to make our own choice or our choice isn't necessarily relevant. This is one of the cases where that I believe that choices are very relevant and very powerful. Um, so I think it's important for you to do what you want in those regards. Like I'm not in the habit of telling people what to do or how they should feel or um, what they should be doing. I'm more in like an advisor role. Like this is what I do. This is what I, this is the results that I get from, you know, what I do. Um, so I very much value the, the freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, I think I've recently and certainly after that encounter, also evolve to value that choice more than I value the choice that is made, right. you know? Um, and I think that, again, that was a really big moment of growth for me, but I think also like we've influenced each other in many different ways, because I certainly feel like you voting this year, like is in part related to the conversations that we've had about voting and exercising yeah. your right. And like, I'm just and we didn't vote for the same, for example, presidential candidate like he had his own choice and I had mine. I respect his choice. He respects mine. Um, But I'm really excited that that we got to vote together. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it it was very interesting because I didn't go out to polls or anything like that. Um, I guess not polls, but, you know, the voting booth. Um, I didn't do the traditional voting. Um, We did the absentee ballot because uh, partly because of the coronavirus, um, more than anything for me, uh, (laughs) for convenience. Um, (laughs) I I really enjoyed voting from home. I don't have anything to compare it to because I've never done the, you know, in-person voting. Um, But it was really nice. You know, they we filled out some paperwork. um, They sent us the ballots. We opened up the ballots and we got to research as we were voting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was really beneficial. Uh, what do you think? Having experienced in-person voting where you didn't really have the time as a luxury, what what do you think about this absentee ballot? 
Yeah, so I, I must admit, like, I had never enjoyed voting so much. And I've voted several times before. Um, I remember the first time I voted was actually for the 2008 election when Obama got elected. That was my first time voting. And then I voted every time ever since. And it's interesting because I feel like before I was voting always along party lines. So I would literally show up to the voting booth, having researched no one other than maybe the presidential candidates. And then I would select everything Democrat. Like, And then for the ones that didn't have a party affiliation, like if they were, for example, two contenders and they neither of them had a party affiliation, I would just choose for the one whose name sounded the darkest or the blackest. Right. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, right? But that's literally how right. I show up to the booth. Um, and I think as I've grown older in part, I think that's a big part of the reason um, I've realized the power that voting has, not only at a national level, but also at a local level. And oftentimes a lot of the policies that are made locally end up actually influencing your life the most. Um, and so this time around, I definitely had, number one, more time to research the candidates. Like we literally sat down. And went line by line. We started at the top and worked our way to the bottom and we researched everyone. Even if there was little or no information, like we still checked them out. Yeah. Um, Every single one, yeah. painstakingly. <laughs> Some of these candidates, oh my God. Their websites are terrible. Their um, platforms are super yeah. unclear. You you would think that almost everybody would be on social media because, like it or not, like social media is a big boom, um, and it definitely has the power, especially for politics, to get your voice out there. Mm -hmm. um, you think that people would be leveraging that to the best of their ability, and granted, some of them are. Some of them have Twitter fingers and can't shut up, um, but some of them like. You see a picture of a cat and a picture of their grandchild, and that's about that's it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, no, I was definitely, and of course, we're in the field of marketing. So a lot of us were, well, a lot of us, the two of us, <laughs> were, were shocked at just the, like how not progressive and how not with the times some of the candidates were. For some of them, they literally had videos on their website that were like, 30 minutes long of them at an assembly or doing like a, a ceremony speech that was completely random and not tied to their campaign. And then you would look for a place where they would degloss like their actual stance on issues that we as voters would care about. And those were nowhere to be seen. Right. It was like a bio of all their personal accomplishments. And I do not care. Well, and it seems like some of them copied and pasted, you know, all right, these are the Republican values. I'm just going to copy and paste over to my website. This is my platform. Not really detailing what they actually believe in as a candidate or I'm a Democrat. These are my values. And especially the Constitution Party, like they were very, um, <laughs> very similar, very homogenous. Yeah, it was I, exactly the same thing in right. every one of their websites. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so. I won't tell you who I voted for, but I'll tell you I did not cast a vote for the Constitution Party at all. They were a, a little antiquated, um, not because of the Constitution, like granted, right. whatever it says in the Constitution is good, you know, but they they seem very old in their way of thinking. Like you have to be able to adapt and improvise, um, and they seem very rigid with their platform. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like, I think too, like one of the things that really surprised me is how often um, the candidates rely solely on their party affiliation 
um, as the reason why you should vote right. for them, as opposed to actually deglossing and explaining their detailed platform or their detailed plans. And I think the reason why they're able to do that is because we're in a system when that's where exactly what people do. They vote blindly along party lines without really thinking about the platforms that each candidate is representing. And I think this is where a larger conversation comes into play about the need to reform the system of elections that we have and the parties that are available because we're blindly voting for people without really understanding what their goals are. And then we end up with communities that are disadvantaged or that are not getting their needs met and money going missing and all these terrible scandals um, because we're not taking the time to really research and understand the candidates that are on the ballot. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of it was relevance. Um, you know, some of the things where like race, for instance, where that matters, um, they weren't necessarily included within that candidate's platform. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got some people like the Department of Agriculture for North, the state of North Carolina where race doesn't play a huge issue, but yet they're including it as part of their campaign. Right. Um, it's important that you're not a racist, but is it really relevant to, you know, crops? True. But to be fair, like I will say this, um, as a black person, that's literally the number one question yeah. that I had as I was looking at the candidates, right? Do you care about black people? Are you gonna support policies that are gonna ensure yes. that black lives are, whole, are held in the same standard and with the same um, regard and protectiveness as other lives, right? And then I was very sad to discover that the majority of candidates like, were not saying anything about the status of black lives or that they didn't um, particularly like talk about endorsing or caring about the communities of color and on the ballot my favorite person that i voted for um which was a judge to one of the smaller court yeah, it was the appeals districts court judge. yeah his name was chris something chris i don't know i follow him on facebook now so i'll tell y'all later but um i voted for him and like one of the things that really stood out to me and like like he was my favorite person that I voted for and that whole entire ballot. Like mm -hmm. I was the most certain about my choice for him. And the reason why is because he was being elected to a court. And I feel like the courts are actually a place where oftentimes decisions are made about black lives that end up very significantly impacting those lives with, um, with a lot of disregard. Right. He had a video where he was essentially talking to this older black woman um, and talking about his work in the black community. And that told me immediately because I think we need so much more of that. And so I think that for candidates in the future, like they really need to have a bigger focus on what do you stand for? And not just like, oh, healthcare reform. What does that even mean? Right. Like that's such a general term. Like what do you think needs to be done? Like what are the solutions that you're right. hoping to bring to the table as opposed to like, Oh yeah, I care about healthcare. Well, we are care about healthcare. Yeah. Some people care about healthcare and utilizing that to make their pockets big with lots of money. Some people care about people having access. Like what is that you really care about? Right. Yeah. And I think that you bring up a really good point is what about healthcare do you care about? Like what issues do you see? What are you going to do about these issues? Can you even fulfill these, you know, promises that you're saying that you're going to tackle? Um, you know, be relevant, be straight to the point with what you stand for, and you're more likely to get our votes.
Absolutely. And I think too, like for candidates and not that I think any candidates are listening out there, but if any one of you out there ever decides to run for office, like, I think that the most difficult thing for me to accept is people that try to get elected um, with a million and one promises about things they can't even influence right. um, just to get elected. Like, I would rather see someone who's brutally honest and say, hey, these are the things that this office is responsible for. These are the things that I would like to change in order to make this office better. And like, this is not necessarily my guarantee, but this is my plan to accomplish that, right? Then at the end of a term, we as voters that voted for that person, before we go and reelect them, can take a look at, okay, this is what you said you could influence in your office. How much of that did you actually do? Or did you just take a paycheck? Right. You know, or keep the status quo? Like, did you actually fulfill the promises that you made? Or did you actually even try to fulfill those promises? Right. And one of my favorite candidates that mind you, I didn't vote for. Um, he definitely didn't fulfill his promise for his campaign, but I do want to quote him. He said that he was going to go to uh, Washington, D.C., turn it inside out, and then leave. <laughs> it, it was my the funniest quote of the entire um, <laughs> voting process. And if you're familiar with TikTok, then you should probably hear something in there that sounds familiar. Uh-uh, uh-uh, then leave. Peace <laughs> out. Peace out. That's basically what his like whole campaign thing was. Yeah, it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. It, the whole voting thing was also kind of like a comedy show for us. Um, we definitely made it fun. Yeah, I think um, for us, it was just like um, the number one, doing it together. I think that was really special and I appreciated the opportunity to do that. Number two, like actually going through candidate by candidate and seeing the propositions and then comparing them side by side and then realizing how empty some of these promises mm -hmm. were or how ridiculous some of these things sounded and just we're very witty people. So then we combine some rap into there and it just it was a really fun experience and also the most proud I've been of the ballot that I filled yeah, out. Absolutely. And I think we were really fair, you know, we didn't vote along party lines. We looked at everything, you know, I voted some Democrat, I voted some Republican, I voted some Libertarian. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said in my blog that I wrote, um, some people, they didn't have a platform, a party attached to them. I don't know who, what they, what party they were aligned with, um, you know, but I voted for them too, mm -hmm. based off of fairness and what they stand for and not just, okay, you have this party attached to you, so I'm voting for you. Or your name sounds prettier. I'm voting for you. Don't, hey, don't make fun of me. That was the old me. This is the new me. Um, but yeah, like like um, my husband here, I also ended up voting um, not along party lines, but based on the attributes of each candidate. So I voted some Republican. I voted um, some Democrat. I don't know if I voted any libertarian, but maybe I did. <laughs> I just know that I chose candidates that I thought yeah. would accurately represent my values. And at the end of the day, I think that's what voting is about is picking the best person for the job with, according to the information that you have um, and making it someone that you think it's going to fight for the things that you believe in. Right. And another thing that we did that I really enjoyed was we didn't necessarily only research the candidates, you know, that was definitely a part of it. But there were some, you know, job titles out there that we didn't really understand or comprehend. Mm -hmm. So we actually researched what these job titles are. You know, what are you supposed to be doing as the state accountant? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you supposed to be doing as the treasurer? Mm -hmm. um, does your platform coincide with, you know, what you're supposed to actually be doing? Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I enjoyed that. And then we looked up some of the bills that they've passed, you know, in the past. And okay, what does this mean? You know, and we actually research it. Okay, so that's this kind of tells me more what you stand for. Right. So if I have any advice, number one is, you know, do your research before you vote. Mm hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's like, do your research. And I think, um, of course, like, again, as Black Latina, like, I'm going to throw this out there. I especially, like, ask for, like, Latinos and Black people out there and people of color, like, really look into the candidates and what they have done for your community, what they have passed against your community. Like, this is something to look for because I feel like oftentimes that's where we're getting screwed um, is in policies being passed that are really disadvantageous to us. Um, and we are often to blame because we either don't vote enough, like the numbers on voting by Blacks and Latinos are very concerning. And then number two, we don't do the research on who right. we're voting for. Just because somebody's a Democrat, and again, this is a lesson I learned, it doesn't necessarily mean that they actually align with you socially or with the issues that are concerning to the community. So stop voting along partisan lines and actually do the research to find out what these people stand for and if that is actually something that's going to forward and improve your interest and set up a better future for the kids that you have. Right. And yeah, the party the party that you're attached to doesn't necessarily um, dictate your morals. Mm -hmm. You know, you can be a bad person and be attached to whatever party. You can mm -hmm. be a good person be attached to whatever party. You know, it's based on how you carry yourself and less so what party you're attached to. Absolutely. So I guess the next thing that we want to talk about is social media and their ridiculous amounts of um, <laughs> vote blasting. Yeah, to be honest, I feel like something has to be done about the way that um, they try to get people out to vote. Like, it is so aggressive and right. so ridiculous. Like, how many texts did we get in the last three weeks? Well... Based on Cal Cunningham's sexting scandal, um, you got at least five text messages oh on that God. alone. Um, not to mention the presidential stuff, and it, it was just too much. Like, yes, I'm, we know it's important to vote, um, but I don't know how many things I got saying, "Did you register to vote?" When right. yes, I registered. To and vote we got it by early. mail. We got it on yeah. ads on Facebook. We got it on ads on Instagram. We got it on text message. We got it like everywhere, everywhere. And like it's on just... credit karma. I got a thing on credit karma saying, did you register to vote? Have you sent in for your absentee ballot? Like we get it. It's important. Like <laughs> chill. Yeah, I feel like this. I don't know. Like I definitely do not feel like in the past it was as aggressive as it is being this right. time around. What do you think that is? Um, I think there's a lot of people looking for a lot of change mm -hmm. um, across the board. Um, but I think the people that have the power to send out these blasts, I think they're particularly interested in making sure that people go out and vote. And I think they're hoping for a different outcome. Okay, uh, so you're saying that you think it's a lot of groups that are like trying to get Trump out. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, but I, I think that's probably not the best way to go about it. That kind of puts a sour taste in my mouth right? when I feel like you're forcing something down my throat, you know? Right. I understand what you're saying. I honestly have just been overwhelmed with the number of 
text messages because you know on facebook you're used to seeing ads and right. ignoring them mail you're used to getting crappy mail and tossing it out but i feel like text message is such a much more private and con- like right. personal personal type of connection where like if i get a text message you know i'm gonna look at it which is probably why they're sending it but it's also the reason why i'm annoyed that i've been getting it in the volume that right. i've been getting it and the robocalls too like mm-hmm. i guess not necessarily robocalls but just like unsolicited calls um you know, I don't care what Cal Cunningham's doing, you know. In his want, private life. Right, yeah. Like, it's it's unimportant to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really irritating to get all those calls. The junk mail, I think, is hilarious. I think it's hilarious that people are still sending, paying to send out all these things. Um, we checked the mail um, yesterday, and we got this big Trump postcard, right? And then underneath it was an even bigger <laughs> Biden-Harris postcard. It's like, y'all are wasting money and ink and, and paper, paper. <laughs> like, to send out all this stuff. It's just stop. And like, it goes directly in my garbage. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I don't know if they think that it actually accomplishes anything, but it just accomplishes adding to the landfill. <laughs> you know what's really interesting? I was talking to one of my friends in New York, and he said that he barely sees any campaign materials for the Trump campaign in New York. Yeah, I, I can probably and that tracks, imagine right? it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that tracks pretty well. Yes. Um, but I think it's interesting because they're also like regionally um, attacking or like sending out different types of information, right. depending on the region that you're in. Um, so if some of this doesn't sound familiar and you're in a different place and Maybe the region is the reason why. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So, I don't know. I wish that they would just stop. Because then the other thing, too, is like when we're watching anything that is stream TV, they also have ads interrupting our scheduled programming to just talk about the candidates and how terrible this candidate is and how this candidate cheated on his wife and how this kid. Like, and the smear campaign is annoying. Yeah. I hate that. Well, I hate it, too, because it doesn't say what you stand for as you know a candidate for you know whatever office um it it's like oh don't pay attention to me pay attention to this guy and how terrible he is mm-hmm. um it kind of speaks to your own insecurity you know absolutely absolutely so um i hope that they stop with this stuff now here's something that i kind of want to talk about and this is um somewhat in line with what we're discussing but what do you think um, the other side of this election looks like? Like whether we continue with the same president or have a new president? Like, are you? I've heard a couple of people say that they're a little bit scared about whatever the outcome of the election is going to be. Where do you stand on that? Honestly, you know, I think the the president is the office of the president is a very important role, right? Um, but I don't think it carries as much weight as a lot of people think that it does. Mm-hmm. I think it's more important who you have in Congress, who your senators are, like who's in the House of Representatives. Those are the real powerhouses, so to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the president, you know, he's a very important cog in that machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more power lies within Congress itself. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts? I definitely think that more power lies within Congress. But the other concern is that because the president is such a figurehead, yes. they also have a massive influence in the perception 
of our country on in the, the world with stage. the rest of the world, right? right? And unfortunately, the last couple of years, um, I don't care if you're a Republican or if you're a Democrat, um, with regards to public opinion and view of the United States, it has been in consistent decline for the last four years. Right. And I was telling you yesterday, so um, one thing that I'm extremely passionate about, and you are as well, is language learning. Yes. I've been learning French since COVID-19 started. And one of the things that that has done for me is opened the door to different world perspectives. So instead of listening to the news in English that is controlled by American media, I'm able to listen to the news from the perspective of France. And one of the reports that I was listening to was talking about the, the perception of isolationism of the United States and how they feel this particular reporter and a lot of people around the world that with America stepping back, now China's kind of gearing up to take right. the place of the guard of the world, if you will. Um, and that they just see Trump as someone who is isolationist um, and doesn't want to be involved in the affairs of the world or doesn't care to be involved in the affairs of the world. Um, but also that they think America is in the decline. So that was something else that was really interesting for me to hear is that they like, from this French perspective, America is in the decline and it started after Obama left. So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I also don't think that we have any particularly good choice. It's not like I think Biden is going to sweep in and change the perception. I don't think he's any particularly good candidate. Um, but I'm more so worried about the different groups that like exist, some that are heavily pro-Trump, pro some that are heavily pro-Biden and how that is going to look like after the election, whoever wins and whoever loses. Right. And I think, you know, regardless of whoever's fault it is, um, we're very divisive right now. We're very divided. Mm -hmm. um, th there's a lot of, um, what would you say, conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> people are a lot more bold with their opinions and putting it out there without regard of other people's feelings. Yeah. I said what I said. It's right. such a common phrase. Right. And that's on both camps. Like mm -hmm. you hear it everywhere. Like it's okay to disagree, but you should still hold, you know, be respectful of other people. Right. Um, it's okay to, for me not to agree with you, but it's not okay for me to disrespect you. Right. And vice versa, you know? And even if you're disrespecting me, I feel like it's up to me to be the bigger person and to be like, you know, you're disrespecting me. I'm not going to let you disrespect me, but I'm also not going to disrespect you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what we're missing from our leadership is it's okay not to take shit from anyone, but there's a respectful way of doing that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Absolutely. There's a manner in which you hold yourself to be presidential mm -hmm. or, you know, to be honorable. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that in many offices across the country, in many positions of leadership, you know, private and government, um, we're, we're kind of losing that. Mm -hmm. It's more based on the personality of the candidate and less about, you know, what they stand for, the decorum the manner in which they hold themselves. I think that's super important. And I think that a president needs to be honorable, needs to be level-headed, um, needs to be solid, steady, you know, um, and act with, you know, a modicum of decorum at least, you know, mm -hmm. 
But I just want to say, you know, despite whatever happens, whoever gets elected, we're going to be okay. We live in a great country. Um, and I have a lot of hope and faith in our process. And, um, you know, hopefully the people's voice will be heard and they'll they'll get what we need. Absolutely. So I, I also feel the same way. Like, I think that no matter what, the resiliency of the American people will always overcome. Right. I think we're a nation um, with great values that are the backbone, um, not these candidates, whether Democratic or Republican. I think it's the people and the, the core values that we hold and our willingness to work hard for the things that we believe in. So um, I know that we'll be OK, and I definitely look forward to a result that takes our country in a good direction. Right. And puts us in a positive, you know, course correction. And, um, and that's not to say that it can't come from some of the same candidates that are already in office. Maybe, yeah. maybe some miracle happen and they can change some of the ways that they view things. Well, I think that the miracle is the American people and right. our willingness to push. Absolutely. You know, I think that, my favorite thing that has happened from this whole entire thing, which has certainly been difficult, it's the the waking up of the people to realize that, hey, I'm going to go out and vote. For right. many, many years, like voting has been something that has been so ignored and left to the wayside. And certainly in 2016, I feel like there are so many people that don't vote and the statistics support that, you know. This year, I can see it. I can see the lines that are longer than ever. I can see the amount of talk um and encouragement of people to go out and vote. I can see sororities and fraternities out there pushing their members to vote. I see that in the news, they're frequently talking about voting. Facebook's talking about voting. Right. Like, if anything else, uh, throughout this election, we're learning the significance of our voices through our vote. And that is something that is worth having. And that is something that is worth fighting for. And so that's something that gives me great hope for what the future might look like when you have people having more difficult conversations and showing up. Yeah. And regardless of what you think and who you're voting for, like, I want you to vote, you know, and by all means, like, if you don't feel comfortable voting, then don't, but do, I, I won't say if you're not comfortable because I think it's important to vote, even if you're uncomfortable, if that's not what you want to do, then I say, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I want everyone to vote, you know, everyone that's able, I want your voice to be heard. Mm -hmm. um, even if you don't agree with me, you know, I still want you to go out there and, and have your voice counted, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Um, and I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up for the day. Is there anything else that you want to say? No, all good. Thank you guys for having me. Again. Thanks for having us. And we'll catch you next time on Conversing with Casey.